The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There are some people that make their work just another thing they have to do. And there are those that make their work something that they want to do. Welcome to Working on Purpose with your host, Elise Cortez. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration from those people who have found deeper meaning and personal connection to their work life. It's beyond 9 to 5. It's Working on Purpose. Now, here is your host, Elise Cortez. Welcome back to the Working on Purpose show. Thanks for tuning in again this week. Great to have you with me. I'm your host, Elise Cortez, joining you from Dallas, Texas, which is my home base. I'll get to my guest in just a moment, but let me give a first a big thank you to my media partner and sponsor, Jobbing.com. If you don't know them, Jobbing.com is the leading locally focused job board in the nation. They are dedicated to helping employers find quality talent in their own backyard and giving job seekers control over their search so they can find work close to home. Great partnership for me. Thanks, Jobbing.com. This week, we will be talking with Kim Ortiz. She is the owner of Kim Ortiz Photography and is is the co-author of The Success Chronicles. I brought her on the show because I think she has a hopeful story and message for those millions of people out there who would really like to make the leap from working for, for someone else to working for themselves and really doing what they love. She joins us today from Louisville, Texas. Kim, great to have you on the show. Welcome to Working on Purpose. Well, thank you so much, Elise. I'm so excited to be on the show. It's going to be fun. I, I have uh, lots of questions for you. I really want our listeners to understand more of your journey and just how it was that you became self-employed. I think that's such an important topic, and so many people talk to me about their desire to do that, but just haven't done it for one ever reason or another. So before we get into what you're doing today, working on your own in your, in your photography business, will you just sort of sketch for us your your past professional background? I know that you spent 23 years in various corporate roles, so sketch for us how you got started, would you? Yes, of course. You know, I started out years ago, I graduated with my accounting degree from UT Arlington, and um, I went into um, my first job at Ernst & Young doing audit, and then throughout the years, I kind of transitioned into an internal audit and did lots of different things in the corporate world, mainly finance, project management, tax. I've done everything. But in all those different positions and companies, I found that I never had... Um, the satisfaction I had in the positions. And so after uh, many years, I decided I wanted to go back and change my career. And I got my MBA in 1997. I went back to get my MBA. And, uh, and in 2007, I got back my MBA. And so I went into HR. And about three years in HR, I still didn't feel the satisfaction I had. And because it wasn't satisfying my need for my career, creativity and self-fulfillment and um, decided that I need to find something that is going to make me happy. 
So what I think is interesting is, you know, accounting to HR, that's, that's quite a change, Kim. That's pretty extraordinary in and of itself that you would start with accounting and then and venture into, into HR. So first, why accounting? What was it, do you think, that, you, that gravitated you to accounting? Well, actually, it started in high school, and I was very, I was a great student, and my counselor said, oh, you should go into accounting because you can always become a CPA, you can always get a job. So I kind of just gravitated toward what they recommended, went to school, got my accounting degree, and then went and got my CPA, and just continued that route. But in all the various positions I had, I just didn't feel that it was the right fit for me, for my personality. I was always a very creative person, a very outgoing person. I am actually a true extrovert. And so to be behind a desk all day and not have the ability to interact with people was not something I truly enjoy. So I thought, you know, maybe I should go into HR because I love helping people and had a passion for leadership. And that's when I took the path to get my MBA in HR. And I really enjoyed the positions in HR. But of course, the first positions to go in HR when they have a downsizing is the HR department. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, a couple of things I have to chime in on. So, one 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 of the things that I find really interesting about what you just said there, and the parents on the phone, please pay attention to this. Um, I I think that what we find when we we think about like high schoolers that are trying to venture into college, so many of them don't really know what to go and study, and they haven't really evaluated their actual skills, their aptitudes, their interests, and so they either study what mom and dad did and hope for the best, or they study maybe what, what was their favorite subject in school. And so one thing that I will certainly say, and I'll give a shout out to an organization called Career Choice Today that I just ran across um, they really do help families evaluate their students and give them um, some good choices for for a college and a major. So wish I would have had that when I was about that age too, Kim. Wouldn't that have been cool? <laughs> oh, yes, definitely. I think looking back now in my career, and you know, I work with t- teenagers every day pretty much because they're my clients, and I always tell them, follow your passion, follow what your strengths are, and not so much what is your parents want you to do, but what is it you want to do and what fits within what your strengths are and what your passion is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I think I've, I've told the story before, but I'll say it again really quick. Um, my, my daughter's dad is, is a finance accounting guy, and he's great at that. He loves that kind of world. And when she was young, he used to say, you know, she can be anything she wants to be when she grows up as long as she is an investment banker or an accountant. And I was <laughs> like, <laughs> um, have you met her? I don't know if this is going to work out okay. How about instead? What if, you, what if we went this way? What if we really step back and try to observe who she is at her core and then really try to help her find a way to make that work in the world. And so to his credit, he, he went along with that and um, she kind of bumbled along and really has over the last several years at age 13 really been committed to the idea of becoming a chef. So she really, you know, works hard on that craft and we'll see if it sticks. But um, I really appreciate what you said there, Kim, about really seeing what their, their interests and passions are and then trying to find a way to nurture those into real skills. Well, that's great that your daughter has found her passion and I hope that she'll one day become a successful chef. Yeah, I, already she's successful in that she feeds me great meals, so we'll call that success. That's awesome. <laughs> Um, okay, so my next question then here, I mean, you have, I mean, 
23 years in corporate America is no small feat. And, and so I'd like to understand, and I'm sure our listeners would too, what was the final impetus to actually found your own business? What happened? How'd you do it? Well, I have to say, you know, in the 23 years that I worked in the various companies, I think I've worked with at 10 different companies, huge companies, small companies. But I find that, um, like I said before, I never felt the sense of satisfaction. And the last straw was actually when my last position got eliminated. And when I moved into HR, in three years, I got laid off twice. And I always had this frame that I carry with me. It says, love, do what you love and love what you do. And every job that I've had, I put it on my desk and I look at it every day. And so finally, when my last position got eliminated, I said, this is it. I'm not going to do the corporate world anymore. This is my opportunity to take a risk and move on and do something that I actually love and enjoy. And that is photography. So actually, I have been doing photography part-time as a business part-time while I was working full-time, but hoping to one day do photography full-time. And so when the, my position got eliminated, it was actually the starting point for me to go ahead and take that risk and do photography full-time. Mm. I didn't realize that you had done photography on the side as well. That makes so much sense. So what a smart thing. I want to make sure that our listeners hear this. And so... If you're out there and you're working in a job and that's what pays the bills and that's important, but you think maybe that you might want to dabble in something else, what a great idea to go ahead and start that on the side, nurture it and kind of maybe grow it a little bit, see how it's going, see how you can you can improve your craft there. And then you have an opportunity to leverage that momentum into more full-time work you know, when you're ready or should the other opportunity subside like yours did. I think that is that was very smart, Kim, very smart. Well, thank you, and I highly recommend someone, if they're working full-time and they want to do a business part-time that they're passionate about, it's important to start off as a business, not a hobby, because when you're doing it as a hobby, you don't get some tax benefits, but also, if you're starting out, especially, for example, if you're doing photography and you're starting out and you're running it as a part-time hobby business, you're not charging the right price to make a profit. Plus, your time is so limited. Why do something for so little that is taking time away from your family because you're still working full-time? So from the beginning when you're doing a business part-time, run it like a business so that when you're ready to transition into a full-time business, you already have your customer base and it's just an easy transition at that point. Mm-hmm. Great advice. I would be also curious to understand, Kim, I mean, you said you've been doing photography for a while, but where did the initial interest come from? Do you remember how old you were and what happened and what was the story there? Well, I've always been a very creative person. And when I tell people what my background is as an accountant, they're like, well, you're not like the typical accountant. And I say, no, I'm not. I'm very creative. I have both the left brain and the right brain. And so I've always had interest in scrapbooking, sewing. When I was growing up, I didn't have a lot of money, so I ended up sewing most of my clothes, and um, I loved doing crafts and creating, and I remember I always had a camera with me. I took pictures of, you know, my dogs, my kids, and then a few years ago, about eight, nine years ago, I decided to take a photography class at the community college because I had a really strong interest in it, and so I took the class, and then after that, I decided, hey, I can do this. I am very creative. And so that's when I started my Timor Tees photography 
business part-time, but I made it a business, so I charged correctly from the beginning. And um, I think it's been a great journey for me. Okay, so when you started then, who, who, what kind of clients did you have? Were you, were you doing some of the same stuff you're doing today, headshots, et cetera, or what kind of work did you actually get in the beginning? Well, in the beginning, I knew that I always love high school seniors. Um, so I started just focusing on high school seniors, and then I also did some headshots and some family work and de- definitely pets because I love pets. I have five dogs. I have three chihuahuas and a labadoodle and a lab husky mix. So they make great subjects for me because they never complain. Um, but when I got started, I always try to you know, do those three genre, four different genres that I enjoy because I believe that when you're doing something that you're passionate about and you're working on something, it's important to, especially in photography, to photograph what you love. Because, like, for example, I don't love doing weddings, so I'd never photograph weddings because it'll just wear you down, and then you'll be grumpy, and clients can see that. But when clients see me photographing high school seniors or pets or families or business headshots, they see how much passion and enthusiasm I have, and it kind of carries on to them to make them feel comfortable because they know that I love what I'm doing. I think that is so smart to focus on something within your trade or your industry specifically that you really love. Um, so, and I've seen your 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 studio; it's fantastic. So, your your niches are high school seniors. I love it. Pampered pets, families, and then of course headshots. Um, headshots, I would think, is probably a staple. Just something that you just really sort of need to do because it might get you other business as well. Is that right, or do you really you like doing headshots? I love doing headshots, and probably because I love to relate to the business professionals who come in, and I can talk to them about, you know, previously what I did, and we can kind of relate, but I just enjoy the fact that I am able to give them something great that they can use in their LinkedIn profile or their business cards. I do a lot of real estate. I do a lot of business executives, and, you know, on LinkedIn, I see a lot of photos that are like iPhone photos, and they just don't make you look professional. So as a business professional, I think it's truly important for you to have a professional headshot that is done by a professional photography studio because we have the lights to make sure that your hair shines and your skin looks perfect and your eyes are bright, and it's just a different professional look than an iPhone photo. Oh my gosh, for sure, and and certainly everybody takes photos differently too. And um, I would think that you're, a, you know, you do have a very nice conversational ability. You're easy to talk with and hang out with. I would think that helps as well. Yes, I love people. I'm a true extrovert. I just I feel like if I'm not around people, I just kind of shrivel up and die. My husband told me that one day. He's like, honey, if you're not around people, I think you're just not going to be able to survive. And that's true because when I'm around people and I'm photographing clients and just conversing with them to get to know them better, it really energizes me and they see that. So then they feel more relaxed. And in return, I am able to create something beautiful for them. Mm-hmm. And then on the pet front, I've seen some of your photos there. I think that is such a one. I know you love you love pets. You've got five dogs of your own, but I think it's also smart today because so many people love their animals in a way that you know, maybe they don't have children. That's their family for them. I think that's really a smart niche as well. Has, has it paid off for you? 
Oh, yes. I think pets are a wonderful um, niche that I'm doing, and partly because, you know, I have five dogs, and in the last 10 years, I've lost four dogs, and every time I lose a dog, I have a canvas of them on the wall to help me um, go overcome that loss of them. And, you know, pets are families, too, so they also deserve a photo on the wall. And, you know, they don't stay with us very long. They have a lifespan of maybe 10 to 15 years. Some dogs are lucky and live 20 years. But every family that I meet and they have a dog, I always recommend that they get a portrait for their dog to put on their wall. And when they do family session, I always recommend they bring their dog with them because dogs are family. And the other thing about doing pets that I love is I am able to use my talents to give back to the animal rescue community. I partner with a couple of rescues. One of my favorites uh, is Cappy and Riff, French Rescue. They are located in Highland Park. And the other one is um, Texas Little Cuties. Recently, actually yesterday, I photographed three of Cappy and Riff's dogs. And I just love that I can give these beautiful dogs pictures that are able to get them adopted quickly. And I'm just so honored that I have that ability to give back to the community. I think that is gorgeous, Kim. And I want to talk a little bit more about that, but let's go ahead and cut for a quick break here. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We went on the air with Kim Ortiz, who is the owner of Kim Ortiz Photography. She's a wife and mother of two, and you just heard her say, an involved community servant. We've been talking about her journey of going from corporate America to self-employment. After the break, we're going to hear more about how she actually built her business and has pulled this off so far. Stay with us. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. It's time to do all of those things that you always said you'd do in your life. What's stopping you? Is it other people, your environment, fear? What could give you a push? Tune in to Raising the Bar with Amy Bredo. Our show is all about taking risks and turning them into positives and personal gain. We'll help your inner voice speak up and get you out of that comfort zone. Raising the Bar can be heard live every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1 888 346 9141. Again, that's 1 888 346 9141. You may also send an email to Elise. A-L-I-S-E 
at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just joining us, my guest is Kim Ortiz, who is the owner of Kim Ortiz Photography. Kim previously spent 23 years working in corporate roles and set out with intention to do what you love and love what you do by starting her own business. She's a great example of someone who has made the transition to self-employment and enjoys a full life with her family and in her community. She joins us today from Louisville, Texas. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. Before the break, Kim, you were talking a bit about how your love of um, photographing pets has um, basically found its way into some of your your volunteer work in the community. And I I want you to talk a little bit more about that, and then I've got a couple things I want to say about that that I think might be useful and interesting to our our listeners. So um, how long have you been working in those those sort of volunteer roles first? Well, I have always um, committed myself to helping, but for the last... Five years, I have done a pet calendar fundraiser, and this is my fifth year that I'm doing the pet calendar again, and I donate the sales of the proceeds from the calendar to various animal rescues, but for the last few years, I've been donating it to Lost Paws Rescue of Texas, which is one of the rescue groups that is here in Carrollton, Texas, and I just love what they do. So my another question that I was thinking about as you were talking about your your love of being just around pets. I mean, obviously, whenever we do something, we're involved in anything that we love. There's a wonderful energy exchange that happens, right? People can pick up on that, and it's it's an attractive quality, of course. So what I began to wonder when you were just talking about that volunteer service is, has that helped you at all in your marketing efforts? Do you meet people then who become customers when you're in your volunteer role? Yes, definitely. I think when people see the passion I have for these pets and how I give myself, and I don't ask for anything in return because my goal is to provide these rescues with the beautiful pictures of their dogs so they can share it on pet finders um, on their website, and then that way people can find the dogs easy and they can look at the pictures and then want to see the dogs so they can adopt. Um, I do get people come to me and say, oh, I found you because... You photograph for this rescue, and I saw all those beautiful pictures of these rescue dogs on your Facebook page. And then they see me at different venues. Uh, for example, in, in April, I'm going to be going to a, an event in Louisville, and it's called Paws in the Park. And uh, I'm going to be having a, a booth there where I'm going to photograph dogs uh, of whoever wants to come and donate some money so I can donate 100% of it to Cappies and Riff. Mm-hmm. I just really want to call out what you're, what you're doing there. That I think it's so smart. And, and I think for our listeners that are thinking about, well, if I do go out and work for myself, and we, we know that we have to continually market ourselves, that's just part of the, of the business. I think that it makes so much sense to, to do your community service in, in a way that also lets you meet prospective customers, too. I, just, I think that's, I don't know if you set out to do that. I doubt you did, knowing you, but it's, it's a very, very nice side benefit, I would say. For me, I do it because I love it, and I love helping um, the community, and I love helping the pets. So for me, it's just a, a, self, you know, a selfless act that I want to do because it gives me a lot of satisfaction when the dogs get adopted. Last week, four of the dogs I photographed got adopted um, through Cappy and Riff French Rescue, and it just warms my heart when that happens. Mm-hmm. I can hear it in your voice, Kim. It's beautiful. Well, let's talk next about how you how you actually 
navigated the, the, your business getting up and running? And, and did you do it in stages? I want to understand. So for again, for the benefit of our listeners who are thinking about how do I pull this off? I'd like them to get a little bit of education from the show. So how did you do it? How did, what did you do? What were the steps involved to get your business up and running? Well, you know, after I got laid off, I decided that, I mean, I wanted to go into photography full time. So basically I did have some savings from my previous full time job that I had and then also from the business while I was running at part time. And within six months after deciding to go full time, I wanted to open my studio storefront because as a photographer nowadays in the competitive world of photography. Um, you know, everybody has a camera now. Lots of people who photograph on the side and or weekend warriors. So I wanted to be different. I wanted to have a photography studio, which is a retail storefront, and not many people have those nowadays. Um, the ability to have a space where you can photograph with lights and um, you don't have to worry about the weather, if it's raining or cold or it's 100 degrees in the summer. You can still photograph inside your studio. And so what I did was I used some of my money that I had, my savings, to open my studio. I looked at a space that was available in the Castle Hills Villa Shops, which is um, located right in the middle of where I live. Uh, of the community called Castle Hills. And there was this empty space, and I wanted to get it to open my studio. And so what I did was I hired a a uh, commercial realtor who helps me, a commercial broker is what they're called, and he helped me navigate through the whole negotiation process, which I highly recommend if anybody wants to open a business and they need a commercial space, Definitely don't go in it doing it by yourself because you get more negotiation ability, you know, ability by hiring a commercial broker. And you don't have to pay, you don't pay the commercial broker because the commission goes, uh, is paid by the landlord. So that's the one advantage of that. But, um, I also didn't want to get into debt. I did approach uh, a few banks to look at some loans, but after I, looked at all the interest rates and all the things that you had to do, I decided that I was just going to use my savings to open my studio to buy all the lighting equipment, furniture, and all that stuff. It is pretty uh, expensive to open a studio because you got all the initial investment and then all the advertising and all the other stuff that goes into it. So, from my perspective, it was um, really important to be debt-free when I opened my business, and I've been really happy with it. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. I think that that is all of that is a important important points because I think when we think about how do we actually get from point A to point B and how do we pull that off, and usually there is some kind of an investment, whether it's time or money or capital or whatever. Um, I I applaud the the approach that you took and starting your business debt-free. It sounds really good to me too. Yes, definitely. So let's talk about marketing. I think that for for most people who are self-employed, this probably, unless you're, you really are, you live to network or you live to meet people, it, maybe that might be one of the harder parts of it. So help us understand, what do you do to, to market yourself? What kinds of activities? How much time do you spend marketing? That kind of stuff. I have to tell you that owning a photography studio 
is about 90% marketing and 10% everything else. Um, <laughs> without marketing, the business will not survive. And so the most, the best thing is that um, you, you know what your budget is for marketing and also being able to um, join some chambers of commerce, networking, organizations. Um, my most of my clients come from word-of-mouth referrals. And then, like I said, I specialize in high school seniors. And so I have a model program that I have for high school seniors, which is uh, very beneficial for me because I'm able to get, this year I have about 17 uh, juniors who are going to be my senior models, and they are like my marketing team. I photograph them, and they're very energized about my studio, and they spread the word about my studio to their friends. They share their photos on Instagram, on Facebook. We just have lots of fun, and uh, I just uh, I think it's really important to spend a lot of time with marketing. Um, building relationship with other businesses, collaborating. Um, direct mail is another area that is truly important, too, because nowadays, especially in the photography business, most photographers who are not full-time don't have the resources to invest in direct mail marketing because it's very, very expensive. And so that's one route that I take um, through in order to get more clients is to use direct mail marketing. And I send out postcards to clients, uh, mostly targeted toward high school seniors uh, for the 2017 seniors who are going to be coming up here. And I photograph most of them in the month of June through August, and then the fall gets really busy. Um, But that's what I do pretty much regarding marketing, direct mail Facebook, Instagram, my model program. And then one more thing is in my community, because I'm a tenant at the Castle Hill Village Shop, I'm able to also do direct mail um, to the community, which is about 3,500 families, and I can send mail through that way, which gives me lots of visibility. And then in addition, because I have a studio storefront, my name is in the front of my studio, and it lights up at night. So it's great marketing because people drive by my studio at night, and they see it, or even in the daytime, they see my name, and then they book with me because they see it. Mm -hmm. I appreciate that narration because I think for a lot of people who are thinking about um, self-employment, that that marketing piece is probably, for most people, maybe some of the biggest, most, the the question mark there. So um, good detail on that. Thank you. Um, the next thing I want to talk about here is it, it, when I think about the things that you're describing, all the different activities that you're up to, Kim, all the things that you're saying that you do to to run your business, and 90% of what you do is marketing, I want to understand your work-life balance. So how many hours a week do you work, do you think? And help us understand what that's like. I have to say, owning a photography studio as a one-woman business is a challenge. I spend a lot of hours photographing, meeting clients, networking, editing, um, placing orders. So my day is quite, quite busy. And um, I decided that in order to have a more work-life balance and have some time with my family, I implemented where I don't really work on Sundays. 
that's the day I don't do any sessions. Um, Saturdays, I have very limited sessions available because I want to spend time with my family. And so for weekend, Saturday sessions, I charge extra. I call it a Saturday weekend surcharge if someone wants to have a session done with me. And I think it's important to have some sort of work-life balance. Um, it is very difficult, though, like I said, with not having any employees. Um, I have tried to outsource some of my stuff, such as editing and things like that. But um, it is it is a challenge that I am trying to work with on a daily basis. I can appreciate that as a small business owner myself. Lots of balls in the air, lots of things that require your attention. And I can say just one thing that was has been helpful to me. I had a, a guest on, um, Lauren Midgley was on a few weeks ago, and she talks about productivity. She's written a book about that. And some of her points I have found to be extremely useful. So for listeners out there trying to figure out how to get more done in a day, like we're talking about here, that might be a resource for you as well. But I, I can appreciate your pain and your joy in that process of working for yourself, Kim. Get it. But I wouldn't change it for anything. I absolutely love having my own photography studio. I absolutely love working for myself. And I absolutely love networking with other businesses. I love building relationships and made lots of great um, networking opportunities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I can appreciate that as well. And and I and I did want to know. I mean, I we have talked before you and I about you. Lo- I know you love the networking part. Um, what else do you love about being a photographer? I love that I can create heirloom portraits for people on that they can hang on their walls and they can pass down to their kids. Now, now in this day and age of digital. Um, everybody thinks that they want a CD, but in reality, they don't really don't need a CD to print because they just want to share it on Facebook. And so what I do is I specialize in wall portraits for people, um, either it's high school seniors, pets, or families. I print beautiful canvases or frame portraits, and that's what I sell to clients. And I believe it's important to have a tangible product that you can hang on the wall so that when your high school senior leaves for college, you can walk by that foyer and you can see them every day. And it warms your heart that you can see your family pictures on the wall. Also, a home without photograph is really not a home. So when you have a canvas collection of your family on the wall, it really makes your house at home. It warms it up. It creates an environment that is homey. And so I believe that um, what I do as a photographer in providing wall portraits is truly important, and especially nowadays in the digital world that we live in where everything is on our computer, on our phone, and then when that phone cracks or breaks or the computer crashes, you have nothing left. But when you have wall portraits, it's there. Mm-hmm. You can pass down to your kids. I have to say two things to that before, and we're just about ready to go on to a break here again. Um, but one is when you talk about capturing, you know, the the, the experience of the, the the photograph. I when I go back home to visit my parents, Kim, there it is. My high school senior photograph is there with my, my brothers and my sisters, and it's a moment in time to celebrate and appreciate. So many years later. Um, you know, and I do also appreciate the way that you framed your experience when you think about this is what I do. I mean, 
what I do as a meaning and work researcher is I capture and try to really understand how people frame their experience of work. And you have complete control over how you do that. And the way you just described how you frame your experience and what it means to you is beautiful and also indicates why it's even more fulfilling to you. It's gorgeous. Well, thank you. You're welcome. So let's catch that break here. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We've been on the air with Kim Ortiz, who is the owner of Kim Ortiz Photography. She is a wife and mother of two and an involved community servant. We've been talking a bit about how she's built and created her business. After the break, I want to have her talk a little bit about the, the book that she co-authored and also hear about some of the challenges and the advice she has for, for the, our listeners to create their own business. Stay with us. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Do you feel alone trying to conquer life's challenges? Do you feel that there's sometimes nowhere to turn and nobody really understands? Remember, you are not alone. Every week, host April Joy Ford, who has faced adversity as a constant in her life, helps you rise above life's challenges with your own blueprint meant to discover the powerful you. April's challenges have included childhood sexual abuse, becoming a widow and single parent at 32, and other such curveballs. She'll help you get empowered holistically every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. If you're just joining me, my guest is Kim Ortiz, who owns Kim Ortiz Photography. She spent 23 years previously working in various corporate roles and set out with intention to do what you love and love what you do by starting her own business. She is a great example of someone who has made the transition to self-employment and and enjoys a full life with her family and in her community. She joins us today from an area close to Louisville, Texas. We've been talking a bit about how she's grown her business here. From here forward, I want to hear more about the book that you've co-authored here, Kim, and also some of your ideas about challenges and maybe advice for listeners. So first things first, um, tell us about this book that you co-authored, Success Chronicles. How did the project come to be? What kind of message are you trying to convey? Well, the book, The Success Chronicles, is a collaboration of 
14 different authors, entrepreneurs from across the United States. And I had this opportunity to be co-author of the book, so I took advantage of it because my goal was to share my story as to how I transitioned from a corporate America into being a photography studio owner and following my passion for doing what I love and loving what I do. But really, the goal from the book is to spread the word about animal rescue groups because I donate 50% of the profit from the sale of each book that I sell on my website at kimortiz.com to any rescue groups that the buyer wants to um, donate it to. So I, w- I want to spread the word about how important it is to adopt and all the wonderful things that these animal rescue groups are doing to save the lives of these wonderful dogs and cats. Mm. Wonderful. And I love the idea of a collaboration. I did something similar for a book that I was part of. It was, it's called Behind Her Brand. And there are, I think, 11 of us women entrepreneurs that talk about our journey of entrepreneurship and being really situated into a niche. So I appreciate very fun project for me, too, and lots of fun. Also fun to tell a bit about your story and share that. So I can appreciate your, your journey in that project and probably what it was like for you. Well, it's been, it's been great. And the other thing about the book I share is toward the end of the book, I share tips on how to be successful as a business owner, entrepreneur. Because I, in my background as an accountant, CPA, and I, with my MBA, um, I have a very good background in business. And most people, especially artists, when they open a business, they don't, I'm, they don't see the business side of it, and so they love what they do. But in order to succeed as a business owner, you have to understand the business side. So I gave some tips on how it is important it is to know your financials, um, have a business plan, marketing, networking, and all the different things that is important to think about when you're a business owner so that you're just not jumping in with your eyes closed, but with your eyes open and have a plan to be able to keep your business successful for the long term. Because, you know, most small businesses, they do not survive within the first year, and especially within five years, a lot of them go out of business. So in order to be a successful business, you have to have a future plan, you have to have goals, networking, marketing, and all the other things that come with it. You know, Kim, I don't know why I didn't think about this earlier, but it, it is amazing when I consider that you have the CPA background and the MBA. That is a phenomenal background for any business owner. And then you add that to the creative work you're doing today. It does help me better understand probably why you got the traction that you did as quickly as you do and the success that you're enjoying. I, I think that is really important that you're calling that out for our listeners. Not that they need to run off and get a, an MBA to start their own business, but to have some business savvy and maybe take some courses around entrepreneurship, I think maybe wouldn't be a bad thing. What do you think? Definitely. And that's one of the tips that I put in the book, The Success Chronicles, in my chapter, is to, if you don't know the business side very well, then you should take a few classes at community college or at university um, on how to manage the business side of it. You know, accounting class, or just an entrepreneur class is very helpful. Okay, great. 
Well, let's talk about some of the challenges that that either you have encountered as a small business owner or that you expect others will as well. I, I think it's really important that when people consider going into business for themselves, they go in with their eyes wide open and they are ready for those challenges that are de- in, undoubtedly going to come their way. Well, like I mentioned before, I think one of the biggest challenges in having a successful business is marketing. I think marketing is so important because without marketing, you're not going to get customers. And then having a storefront is another important aspect, especially in the photography area. Um, there's a lots of photographers out there now, lots of people who own cameras, and you're competing with lots and lots of people who are now able to do photography cheap. But to be successful as a studio owner, you have to be able to price your product so that you're making a profit and you're able to pay your rent and all your overheads. And if you have employees, definitely payroll and all that stuff. So to be a successful business owner, you have to think about the finances and make sure that all of that is covered. And then marketing is very, very important. It should be the top priority. Okay. Um, so the marketing piece, I think, too, is interesting. I, I certainly, over the years, have tried various things. And, and I, I think some for me, because my world, of course, is learning and development. And so much of what I'm involved in, of course, has to do with um, training or coaching. And those are personal relationships oftentimes. And so I found for me that I, I really do need to have a relationship oftentimes with an organization or with a person in order to, to get that work in the first place. And so I do find myself spending a lot of time trying to gain access to people and organizations to let them know who I am and what I'm about. And that does take time. You're right. And so I think that message of really being uh, aware in an ongoing way that you've got to invest a lot of time in marketing, I think is really important. I think a lot of people hope that oh, it's just the beginning when we, we do that. And then afterwards, I don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> and I don't know that that's true. What do you think? Uh, marketing is a daily thing that you have to do. And it also involves networking. I think networking is kind of goes aligned with marketing. Um, joining the Chamber of Commerce. I'm a member of the Frisco Chamber of Commerce. Also, I started a networking group called the Castle Host Business Club. And I have about 30 members. Um, it's one business per category. I think I invited you to join also. Um, but we meet twice a month and we collaborate with each other and we help each other network and get clients. And it's really important to build relationships with people. Like you said, it's hard to walk in, you know, cold to a company and say, hey, would you like my business? But sometimes cold calling does work. It depends on what your personality is. Like for me, Cold calling is pretty easy or any sort of networking is easy for me because I'm a true extrovert. But if you're an introvert, then maybe having uh, somebody who you hire that is really good with people would be the way to network and build relationships. But in in turn, if you're like a one-person business, you are the face of your business, so it's better to do it yourself. And um, I just love connecting with people and I love networking with other companies. And so I highly recommend the chamber, creating your business networking club or joining other networking organizations that you can um, just continue to market and develop your collaborations with other businesses. 
Mm-hmm. And the thing that I find interesting about that, obviously, I do a lot of networking as well, is you just meet such amazing people. And then from those conversations, you oftentimes, if you do it well, should be connected to somebody else from that conversation. Who else should I be talking to? It just Sometimes it's an organic process, I found, that it just naturally bubbles up that when during the course of a conversation with someone in a networking role, that they say, oh, do you know so-and-so? They would love what we're talking about or what you do. Let me make an introduction. And so what I want to, I know that there are people out there listening to the show right now going, oh my gosh, the dreaded networking word. Oh gosh. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I, networking I, can be so much fun. It can be. And, and there, I think there's a skill to it that you develop over time that comes with practice and just simply repeated exposure. And I know I teach a class at Southern Methodist University that has to do with helping um, senior level communication students get and keep their first job. And we talk about networking and they literally tell me, oh my gosh, it's so nerve wracking. I don't want to do it. They call me Dr. C. Dr. C, I don't want to do it. <laughs> like, but you have to do it and let's make it fun. Let me teach you how to do it. Be curious. So <laughs> I, 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 for those listeners that are out there who are the true introverts, um, I want you to consider that you can be uh, an introvert and be great at networking. You just might be having you know, one-on-one conversations that are really interesting and in-depth, and that's great. And also, um, I highly recommend Toastmasters International. You know, Elise, you and I met through Toastmasters International, and I think it's a great organization for those who are more introverted and want to develop more public speaking skills, it really helps in the networking part of it. So I highly recommend that they find a club and maybe check it out. Mm-hmm. Great advice. And yes, I'm, I'm a big fan of Toastmasters as well. We met years ago there, and I, I also believe that has been a great program to help my own professional development and my comfort in being able to meet new people I don't know. So I will echo that advice wholeheartedly. Um, we have just a couple minutes left here on the show already, Kim. It's it's amazing how fast time flies. But let's um, maybe in a couple minutes or so, I guess I've got a, maybe about four or five left. I'm not quite sure, but something close to that. Um, I would love to hear your advice that you might have for our listeners who might be considering leaving a full-time job to doing their own thing. What would you have? Well, my, my advice is to research the industry and market that you're going to be getting into because it's important to know the market and the type of business that you want to start. So the questions to ask are, who are your competition? Um, do you love what you do? Do you love your job? Because if you love your job, then it's probably not best to leave it right away until you have a, a good understanding of what business is that you want to start. And also, if you love your job, then you, maybe you could start the business part-time. That way, you're not under a lot of um, stress that you have to bring in money on a constant basis um, so that you have this extra income that you can do while you're loving your job. But if you don't love your job, then I recommend finding a passion that you're passionate about, um, a product that you love that somebody doesn't have or it's serving a need, and then do research on that. So that's what I would recommend. Um, I always also recommend to not go into debt when you're starting a business. Make sure you have some savings available. If you have a spouse who works full-time and has a great income, then that is a great way to uh, help you so that you can just start your business part-time and then eventually do it full-time. 
I love your advice, Kim, about really doing some research on competition. I think probably many people, especially when they're going for the the purpose motive or the love passion motive, are like, well, I just love doing whatever, X, so I'm going to go do X. And they don't really spend the time researching what else others are doing in the X industry. They just put their shingle out and they go, and maybe they get traction, maybe they don't. So I think that's really sage advice. Um, I, I, I think that for me, that has something that I have certainly evolved over the years. I didn't go into what I'm doing with a lot of knowledge about competition. I've learned it over the years, of course. So I think that is beautiful. Another advice I want to offer is to ask yourself, are you good with numbers? Are you good with selling, marketing? Are you good with people? Because when you have your own business, you're a one-person shop. And unless you have the funds to hire a bunch of people to work for you right at the start, and most of the time it's just you getting started. And so you have to be able to understand the whole different aspects of running a business. And especially, you know, some most of our business nowadays involves selling. So selling is very important. And uh, if you're not good with people, then it's kind of hard to sell sometimes. So um, those are some of the important questions to ask yourself when you're looking at a, a certain industry or a type of business that you're going to be opening. I think that's also great, really considering your strengths. And then having a plan for how do you, how do you show up or augment what you're not good at. I think that's also important. So one last question for you before we, we, we depart here, and if you could just answer in maybe 30 seconds or 45, something like that. But since this show is really all about helping people more meaningfully and productively connect with their work, any final pearls of wisdom? Definitely. I like to leave with life is short, follow your dreams, and do what you love, but please do not go into it blindly. That's crisp. I'll take it. Fantastic. Um, I, I also think an informed perspective and, and what we said earlier before about building skills around what you love, right? And then researching your competition. I think those are all solid contributions to helping our listeners really think about how they, how might they search forward on their own. So um, wonderful to have you on the radio with us today, Kim. Thank you so much for sharing your, your background, your perspective, your journey, and what you've learned along the way. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Elise, and I really appreciate the opportunity. So if you want to learn more about uh, Kim Ortiz and her business, you can visit her website. It's KimOrtiz.com. Let me spell that for you. K-I-M-O-R-T-I-Z. So KimOrtiz.com. I appreciated the wisdom that you passed on, and I've learned a few things for myself as well, Kim, so thank you. Hopefully no charge. <laughs> I hope you'll join I hope you'll join us next week for our conversation with uh, a woman named Alicia Fry. She is the executive director of Jonathan's Place here in Dallas. And um, she is really all about um, giving into her passion to help abused, abandoned, and neglected children find more happy, healthy lives. She's doing really, really important work and obviously is, is living her passion, her purpose. So I hope you join us next week. And remember that work is at least one third of our lives. So let's work on purpose. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Elise Cortez, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, find your life's purpose at work.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.